Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 216. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the internationally acclaimed and talented comic creator, Chris Saloff. Right? Thanks for having me. And so, so Chris, you're here because you were, you were here. This is episode 216 as of this recording. You were here on episode 146. So... I think we've created a, a system where anytime we have a digit ending in six, you know, that's where we got to make sure that. You know. <laughs> so it's really interesting because a few weeks ago, um, I, I backed your I backed your Kickstarter, which was the amalgamation of the the big two hundred plus graphic novel of your first five. It issues. was the first six because issue zero is in there as well. I read it. I had a blast reading it, and it was everything that you promised it was going to be in your Kickstarter. It was exactly as you described it was going to be. It was a D and D esque superhero game, but as you said in in the in the background of it is that it is based off of you and your friends playing a superhero version of Dungeons and Dragons. Either way, I said what I, what I really wanted to do because I can talk about crit all night long. I can you know I can be able to talk about Season two, I don't know if you want to call it, where they become business owners of a food yep. truck. Um, this, like, I love it. It's going and did my homework. You described it almost as if you you described it almost as it's if it's um, always sunny in Philadelphia meets Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is that yep. what it was? Yep. <laughs> I'm actually getting a little bit more cartoony in my artist my my art. Because uh, when I when I first started, you know, learning how to draw with this comic, I had a different vision. I really wanted that that '90s X Men feel, which was more dramatic and intense than it was comedic. And it also helped that you know I was learning anatomy at the same time. So being more rigid in my drawing and having more stiff anatomy was kind of where I was going. And the more the story developed and I, I saw the the comedic aspect being where we needed to be, like where our niche was, I wanted my art to have a little bit more flair in the in the cartoony style. Right. Um, I've, I've just read a bunch of, and I don't know the artist, but I just would like go online and look for art that I liked, you know, I would type in like Spider-Man artists because I know Spider-Man has a lot of artists that do more um, a cartoony feel than a, than a hard anatomy. Um, like Jim Lee does a lot of hard anatomy and I love his style. Um, uh, Brett Booth, love his style, but he also has some looseness in there, which I enjoy. So I've been trying to to get that because I really want the art to, to have the comedic value in it. If that makes sense, like when you're watching Ninja Turtles, you know, um, or you've been watching an old X-Men cartoon, the art matches the storytelling. And so I'm getting a little bit more animated with like Samedi. Samedi will have actual expressions. Um, he's laughing in this one because he's got his compadres now. He's got the owl and he's got the chameleon. And so he's not by himself. And you're going to see him open up a little bit more, too, because now he's not the only talking animal in the book. 
do I remember that you said in the previous interview that there is one issue that you can't wait for people to read? I think that was issue seven. There's a couple, but there's this that I have. I think in every chapter, there's like the one standout issue because um, I've 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 already broken out the chapters, um, and every chapter really has this standout moment. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's just the way the story plays out. And there's times when it's actually someone's role play. The one I'm most excited for people to see is actually the book where um, they they go to Japan. And in the game, Obi had made these LSD-based bombs because he's like, hey, I can take LSD and I can use that to, as a bomb, it's going to, you know... <laughs> It has negative effects on people, and it was his idea. And while he's making them, um, I actually had him roll to see how well he could make them. And he had like a very terrible roll, but his character should have been able to do it. So I was like, Well, you did it, but the problem was you dropped one on the ground and it exploded in your face. So now the rest of the, the game, you are high on LSD. <laughs> and it just so happened this was the Japanese book, and there in Japan, they were all like, well, hey, when we go to this, since he's high on LSD, how about you draw the first couple pages like your art? And as soon as he drops the bomb, we have a new artist come in that does a manga style. Right. And and it's all in like anime manga art instead. And it changes the entire art style. And every, like, just imagine watching or just reading a, a manga. And that's what it's going to look like. Um, I'd originally thought about doing it backwards, like reading it backwards and doing it just like in a, a Japanese book, but I think that might be a little bit too jarring. So we're gonna just go with the art style, and at the end of the book, I'll write, I'll do the last couple pages. So that'll be cool because that'll free me up <laughs> from a little bit of art. And at the same time, it plays into our storytelling. What I love about this is there's nothing we really can't do. Mm -hmm. And I think that book will really get people going, especially because in it they go to, they, they get mind controlled and they have to fight each other. And there's a big car chase scene. Like there's all this cool stuff in that one. Um, and it has to do with like an elder brain. So if you ever know, if you know D&D &D and you know elder brain, that one's fun. Like I said, every chapter, there's one story that just like hits me hard every mm -hmm. time. In this chapter that we're working on, um, I think I think the title, the working title right now for the, the issue I'm excited for is called Rescuers Down Under. Uh, and I won't give away the story, but they pretty much, they jump out of a helicopter all in like, well, two of them are in Hawaiian like shorts and tops because they were at a party and they get called for this mission and they decided not to change. They just put helmets on and masks. They parachute out. One of them just doesn't parachute because he doesn't really have to um they land on this like in this part of florida and they stop at human trafficking ring literally in their their beach clothes um <laughs> and uh yeah that one that one's gonna be fun um i don't like to give away a lot of stuff but right they've been talking about me drawing them with just their masks and hawaiian t-shirts for a for a while <laughs> so you have so so this episode, so this Kickstarter, it, it features then issue six. Is that what it is? It is issue six. It's the seventh in the series because we did right. issue zero. zero um, yeah. But yeah, it's issue six. It kicks off chapter two. 
And I do, uh, even when I was making the, the games, I made my, um, you know, I played out the games in a chapter format because I always envisioned this going into something. Right. And um, when we hit this area, I was like, cool, this is chapter two. I always have some kind of theme. And like in the first chapter is all about introducing the characters, getting to understand some of their motives and their personality. Um, and that's why, if you notice, everything is about the characters at all times. Right. It's always from their perspective. And I, I, I wanted to, to really drive the characters home. So that way later on, I don't have to explain powers and I don't have to go into too much um, just, just info dump, you know? Right. I wanted you to understand the characters, their motives, the world they live in. And that way, as we go on to chapter two, you know, my theme is more about the, the teamwork for one, but for two, it's that not everybody does bad thing or, you know, not every bad guy is bad um, just to be bad. Sometimes good people do bad things for good reasons. Um, and that's like the, the underlying theme as they go through. They're going to meet some people, you know, midway through the chapter when we get to that. And it creates the I want to create tension with the characters without combat. What do you do? when you come across this guy who, or this woman who um, is doing something illegal, but it's helping people that have been troubled for so long and have been forgotten by society. Right. You know, are you going to take them out? You know, it was, I, I had reached a point in the game where they would really got, got into this mindset of just blowing stuff up all the time. And so to deter that and really challenge the characters and them as individuals, I put these uh, morality problems in front of them and wanted to see what, what they would do. And honestly, where they came out with a few of those situations is really cool. Uh, and it really helps grow the story. It helps grow those characters and really helps solidifies them more of heroes than vigilantes. Right. And no, I, I'm curious too for you, for, for you, Chris, is like because you're doing this with the realm of making a comic book out of it, do you primarily see yourself now as a writer or a dungeon master because I'm a dungeon master. yeah <laughs> I, you... as far as writing yeah i create the story and the setting okay their actions and everything right really what happens in the grand scheme of things i'm more of a director right. um that's why if you look at the book it says story by it doesn't say written because it's not, it's really hard to say how it's written because different things are, um, are done by different people. It, it, it's a conglomerate and I don't want to take away anything from my friends and their role play and the participation that they have. Um, I mean, it's my brainchild. They'll tell you this is, this is my thing, but at the end of the day, if I didn't have them being stupid on paper, <laughs> we wouldn't have a story right but you do some editing post script in the sense where you do cut out some things like this is this this diatribe this conversation doesn't really go anywhere so i'm gonna remove that from the actual yeah. script of the comic i do try to take an approach of this if i wouldn't like it 
or if um, my guys, I let them read it too. If they aren't enjoying where the story is going, you know, if, if, if I lay it out for them and like, well, this piece really doesn't need to be told because it doesn't go anywhere. We'll nix it. You know, it's D and D the DM always introduces something that everybody hates and they ignore. There's no reason to put a reader through this piece where they might be invested, but because the players aren't, there's no payoff. So I do eliminate, actually in this book, there is a piece. Um, there was a piece where two of the characters went on this little side quest to chase down a guy with a magic guitar. And in the middle of it, they gave up on the thing because they wound up fighting each other. And they're like, this is stupid. So they beat him up. They have him arrested. And then they go rejoin everybody else. But nothing ever comes back with the character. Nothing ever goes back to the guitar. And so when we came to this, I was like, guys, it was fun. But it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't need to be told. And so we, luckily, one of those characters, he's really easy just to put on the side because he's a background character most of the time. And then the other character, uh, we were like, well, he does show up and fight so he can be there um and his role in the coffee shop is this so he can we can kind of sideline him but still have him in the book and give him this different role and so everything that happens happened at the table he just is kind of background for a little bit you'll see him here you'll hear him a couple times but he's not as prominent and i asked him i was like hey you know before I go in and, and we're writing this out and kind of editing this piece out, how do you feel about your character being in the background because you did this? And he was like, oh, no, I've, expe I've been expecting that for a while. He was like, that whole storyline didn't go anywhere, and that was stupid. <laughs> he was like, put me in the back. That's fine. Just make me, when I come in, just make sure I come in with a bang. And I was like, all right, cool. All right. So we do edit some of that. Um, and if you, you know, you got the trade paperback, you've seen Caliber's Corner. I put some of the more stupid things that Caliber does into like Sunday comics because they're funny. They happen, but they don't need to happen in the book. And and so part of it, too, is making it based off of a D&D. I noticed, too, is like because it's, it's as you say, it's a homebrewed. The world is, seems to be created in conjunction as a story's telling. And you mentioned in the previous interview of how your technology seems to evolve as the world progresses as well is there a specific direction that you yourself was surprised at when it comes to the technology pieces and the world building pieces that you were delightfully surprised at that it went in a, in a specific direction you weren't planning on well i love sci-fi and this crit is heavily influenced by star wars and mass effect those are two of my favorite sci-fi series and uh, a few of the the players love science fiction in fact one of them won't even play a traditional dd game because he, he's like i want guns i want lasers i want the cool stuff um i've had to show him that it exists but um <laughs> if i could have had my way i would have had a high-tech universe to begin with but there would have had to be um for the players i would have had to create the surroundings and explain a lot I really wanted a more grounded campaign to begin with, with tech we know. But, I mean, day one, they're working for the largest tech conglomerate in the world. And so I had kind of put in there from the beginning, there's higher tech 
than what you see at first only because I didn't really want to just ram it down everybody's throats. Right. But by book three, you're seeing this big giant robot tank thing. Right. <laughs> um, so we, the, the rule I always had was I'm going to introduce it slowly. You know, when I first designed siege, that tank, my, in my head, he was super high tech. And when I went into the design phase, I, I had a couple different designs and I sent it to the guys and Brad was like, all right, get rid of the idea of him being like a bipedal or get rid of all these different high-tech options. He said, give him a tank base, something people can see and relate to for the first version. That way he looks like a more uh, like feasible technology level for where we're at. He said, then when he comes back, make him a higher tech because we destroyed the low-tech version, so they've got to upgrade it. You know, so you get, you know, T-1000 and then you get T-2000, for instance, right? And so he helped me balance that. And he said, that way, when we go into that book, the one we're writing right now, with the big giant robots, he said, it makes more sense because we've seen the tank robot. We've seen the bipedal robot. Now we see this giant robot. And I'm introducing the company known as Aid, um, Applied Intelligent Dynamics, who who is like a, uh, they're a competitor for te Technetic. Um you know, they, they get along just because they have to, but they don't like the idea of superheroes because they're more of a technology-based company. So they create robots, whereas Technetic had introduced superheroes. They're like, well, we don't need people because people can be corrupted, right? They're like, you know, if you put heroes on the street, somebody could pay them off. They're just like the city they're dealing with deals with a lot of corruption. And the... the the head of uh, aid was like, I'll cre I've created robots. These mm -hmm. can't be corrupted. They're just, they, we tell them what to do. And so um, that's where that begins. And we kind of see the, the increase in technology level because of crit, because they've been introduced. Okay. Now the world has to react to them. How do you react to superheroes without creating superheroes, right? you create big giant robots. <laughs> now, do you use also as, do you use the concept of running as a D and D campaign as a tool or as the, the sole resource, for instance, what would you do if a role, hypothetically speaking, one of the players roles and they, they die. Like, would you say, Hey, that's the role. Are you going to, a Duzex, Machina, whatever that calls. I'm just saying, well, you don't really, because I need your character to continue on with the combat. So in book, in issue one, Calibur died at the table. But he died because he wanted to. We actually got into an argument. I didn't want him to die. That wasn't my intention. Um, but they were not telling me what their health points were. I was trying not to kill them. I was trying to challenge them. I knew that Sanguine was a higher challenge rating than he should have been. But the purpose was to knock them out, not kill them. And Brad failed to let me know when he was close to death. And so he died. And luckily, actually, so how it had actually worked was when he was playing that character, he didn't have any powers whatsoever, which is why he died. And then in between that session and the next one, he wanted his character to have the powers he has now, which is he's completely immune to powers. 
And I said, okay, so what we can do is when we bring you back, you know, you're there, we can explain it correctly. You know, you almost come to death. We figure out that these things that have special abilities don't work on you. And now you're in this weird state where you don't know what you are. And I was like, but I really don't want to kill you because I just designed your character. <laughs> Later on, yes, uh, I, I actually do. There's two characters as of right now in game that are dead. One of them is he got sucked into a different universe. So if he doesn't play his cards right, he can't get out. But that's all on him and his roles. So far, he's been gone for four sessions now. Um, and he hasn't rolled well to come back. So, so he's actually DMing the game so I can play it for a little bit. And I was like, until you roll your character to come back, he's gone. The other character really did roll bad. Uh, everything that day played out bad for him, and he he died. I called him afterward, and I was like, hey, so what do you want to do? <laughs> he's like, I just kind of want to play random. You know, we're we're very far in the story, and so he's like, it'd be kind of cool for me to play like some random characters in there. We don't want to just shoehorn a, no, a new character in just for the sake of a new character. We have enough um, this far in the game. There's enough people in the book that he can kind of play and have fun with. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I've killed them. Um, I've killed actually NPCs too. you know, characters that I put a lot of work into. And I actually was connected and enjoyed and they even liked. There was a session where I killed three major characters in the book because mm -hmm. when I was rolling for them, they rolled bad. Oh, wow. And they were honestly characters I really didn't want to kill. But at that point, there, there, there is a point in the story where I said, okay, now I have to pull the gloves off. Anything can happen. Um, no fudging rolls. Like, if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. I almost killed Boulder like 10 times. But... He's hard-headed. He tries to he tries to get killed. Uh, it's actually built into his character. His character has it built in to where he takes damage for literally being himself. Um, <laughs> and he wanted it that way. He really did. He actually asked me at one point if he could start breaking his arms and stuff when he when he hits people too hard. And mm -hmm. I had to say no on that. But um, I I don't like to. I don't want to have a situation where characters just live just because. Right. And you and I were talking earlier on about the device that they create that is to avoid death um, because there's nanobots and things like later on that, that Obi is able to create because he's the high tech character. And so he creates those things to kind of help keep people from dying. Um, sadly, there, there's a window that it works in and that's it after that window's done. So, Sometimes they have to run from combat to make sure the, the guy who's rolling his death save doesn't die. <laughs> um, I don't want to give away too much in that one, but yeah. Now, so, so Chris, you also, there's a couple of things that, that are new to this Kickstarter where we wanted to talk about, which is pretty cool. One is themed after the actual title of, of, this issue of caffeinated chaos and you're having an energy drink that you're making that is yeah. only available to uh u.s addresses right? only because of shipping purposes right. i don't have legal rights to ship overseas with that and i do believe all the research i did i did on it 
um, there would be tariffs or, you know, and depending on where people were buying it. And I didn't want to have, I didn't want to have fulfillment issues, to be honest. Like I, I, it was, I work in distribution and fulfillment. So I contacted the guys who run my warehouse and I said, Hey, you know, I know we have a couple different things. Like if we were to ship this, cause I was even thinking about using my distribution center cause I can, we have a fulfillment option. Um, could we ship this for me? And my guys were like, you could, but we would have to ship it to a business or something because if you do it to a personal house, they could charge them X amount of money to pick that up because it's a food item and different countries have different import taxes on that. And he's like, they were like, you get into all these weird things depending on what country you're trying to ship to. And he said, I wouldn't recommend it for you as an individual and them as an individual. Right. And so I, would you make that that as a as an add-on then instead of like part of a tier? I made it a tier okay. because it had to be. It's called caffeinated chaos, and I didn't. I've had some pushback on add-ons from people. They get really weird about add-ons. So I was like, cool, this will be one big tier. But I did add another tier for everybody, and this is worldwide. Is my D and D tier? Right. Uh, yes. I heard so you. So you can get five you know, four hour game sessions with me and probably time permitting one of the other guys from crit. Um, I've talked to a few of them. They were, they're all interested as long as we can make it work with the schedules and we'll play out your version of crit. So you can create your own characters based on the characters from crit. And my goal is, you know, anybody can get these, but I'm really hoping I can attract some people who haven't played D and D before and give them a chance to play D&D and really show them the ropes and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. I've had quite a few people that have wanted to get into it, but they don't know how or they don't have a group. So I'm trying to help everybody create a group that we can play. And if they continue on, cool, if they find their own groups. But that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. Let them play crit characters um, mm -hmm. in their own way. And then possibly if it works out properly, maybe one of their characters or a couple of the characters can show up in crit at some point. Um, but I've always said, if you die, you die. So, right. you know, if you die in your game, you're going to die in ours too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you also have, a, for, for Semeni, you also have a, a plushie as well. Yep. He is sitting right over here. Yep. He is an eight-inch plush cat that everybody loves. Every little right. kid loves this thing. Um, I can't keep him in stock at cons. I've had to reorder twice now. A lot of my backers will email me and say, hey, I need another one because I got your box and my kid took the cat. <laughs> um, and that's probably one of the best feelings right there is right. that connection with the younger generation because they're the ones that keep all this stuff going, you know? Right. So so as, as somebody that does logistics and fulfillment, and, you know, you understand this. So I have a very serious question for you, Chris. Mm -hmm. At what age does a plushy become a stuffy. So, I mean, at that age, cause like I have like some, I have a six year old and eight year old, they call them stuffies, but it's almost like, is it a dollar an action figure almost? There's gonna be a level of all of a sudden, when is it referred to as a plush instead of a stuffy? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> my kid is 12 and she calls it a stuffed animal. Um, <laughs> my friend's kid is 16 and she called it a plush. Okay. So I guess somewhere between 12 and 16, they go okay. from stuffed animals to plushies. There you go. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> the, the website I got on, I, I had uh, make it is called, it, it advertises as a custom plush. Okay. And I think that's because it's more acceptable to like all ages. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, they'll, the, there's a few different, uh, there's three different companies that work together. So I, I started two years ago working with them and they did a great job. We're going to do not in book seven because I really wanted the energy drinks and that one. Plus I'm really broke. So I don't have the funds right now. Um, book five, the rewards were just huge for that book. Um, and I actually went a little bit negative because of some of the pricing changes between the time I quoted and the time I actually fulfilled so with this book i also wanted to go more back to like bring it back to basics in a way right i'll never go your basic tiers of just prints and comics i can never do that um but it's the start of a new chapter and so i wanted to kind of ramp up again to that end chapter right. we'll introduce my goal by by the time we hit you know book 12 is to introduce the owl and the chameleon um it's my personal goal to be able to do that now i'll have to raise about four thousand dollars in funds to be able to order each one right. uh, you know to, to get a hundred of each so i want to do book seven i'm going to put a vote on my instagram because that's where i'm most active i'll do a vote and see if somebody wants the owl or if they want the chameleon first and you know whichever one they want is the one we'll put in book seven which we'll do april of next year um i work in taxes too so <laughs> you know december through april is not a good time for me to try and launch a book it would be way too much work um so i'm going to do end of april beginning of may next year i'll launch book seven and we'll do one of those two in that and then with book 12 i want to be able to have all three so you can collect the entire group and uh really you know as an adult I, I love the fact that i have a stuffed cat of my own um yeah. you know it, my wife she thinks it's freaking cool everyone i know that that sees the cat thinks it's cool so and i'm 39. um i just played a concert the other day and everyone there was like oh man are you gonna bring the cats and they're all you know late 30s early 40s so yeah. Stuffed animals never go out of style, everybody. Just saying. Um. And, and, and I got to say, too, Chris, when I got when I when I had that Kickstarter fulfillment delivered a couple months ago, it was like Christmas. And when, I didn't realize I forgot all the cool stuff that came with that tier. You got the T-shirt. You got the thing. There was so much stuff on there. And I was I was extremely excited. And. And it shows about the, your passion and energy and creativity for this. Um, it's, I mean, you're you're one of your biggest fans. So I love to see. I love all these excitement, all the, and you make you make your your readers excited about it as well. You, you, it's 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 chock full of such great stuff and all of your kickstars when you when you pledge it at the right level. You, you said something just now that no one's ever said to me and you're you're a you're 100 right i am my own biggest fan i i love our story there's the passion that you see in like the art and everything and i enjoy drawing out even even on the most stressful days i love just being able to bring this to life it fixed that depression that i had of not being able to do anything i had this like outlet now and 
I'll never forget when my wife looked at me and said, so this is what you're doing. <laughs> and here we are now she's, you know, as involved with it as I am and my kid loves it. And so this really, uh, filled a gap in my life, you know, and, and, and I work in distribution. I learn all the cool things about all the industry stuff now. And, um, you know, this book has a lot of emotional attachment to, for me. So I am my biggest fan and I really want everyone to be able to uh, connect with it like I am. I'm really excited for the upcoming Kickstarter. And we, we didn't get to do a deep dive, but I know when I'm listening to previous interviews, there is a lot of fun tier stuff um, yes. that people can expect for this one. Um, and I'm looking forward again, Chris, of reading more about crit i'm looking i'm really looking forward to this i'm really looking forward to seeing more of this the the, the coffee shop storyline um as you lovingly put it in a previous interview that it is a cross between um always sunny in philadelphia and also and and also uh, teenage Mutant ninja turtles which in itself is a fun is a fun advertisement for that for for issue number six there I say that because when you watch It's Always Sunny, it's a group of people trying to run this small business and they struggle and they argue and there's all the, you know, most of their conflict is self-created, right? <laughs> and same with crit. It's a lot of self-created conflict because you have a lot of strong personalities and then the world happening around them, like Ninja Turtles, I say that because in what other world would you expect just giant robots to appear, right? <laughs> um, and so it's it. This is the kickoff. I do say that because you know, Kickstarters can be um, they can be scary for people because of uh, you know, and, and this is nothing against other. Uh, there's creators that has don't fulfill on time or don't fulfill at all. You know, we go years and years and years not knowing. Right. Uh, I have proudly fulfilled. This is my fifth campaign on Kickstarter, my sixth total with Indiegogo. I have fulfilled every time. If I am late, I pack that thing to make it up to you. Um, mm -hmm. I had a gentleman who did, we lost his package twice in the mail. And so I actually contacted some other indie artists and I was like, hey, I'm going to buy a couple of your books. And I'm going to give them to this guy because I was like, hey, what indie books do you want to check out that you haven't checked out yet? And right. so I bought some other books and I sent them to him as a thank you for his patience with the UPS. Um, and I sent him like two extra shirts. That's just who I am. Uh, yes. I promise you this will be fulfilled. I've pushed the fulfillment time out till March just to make sure I have more than enough time um, to get uh, insider note. I've heard rumblings that we're going to have a lot of uh, shipping problems. FedEx is not hiring this season, uh, my dad works in shipping. I work in fulfillment. I've, I've been paying attention, put my ear to the ground to see what everything looks like. Christmas is going to struggle. So I wanted to make sure we got this out, you know, on a promised time. So by, by March, all this will be in your hands and hopefully you'll be getting a, a buzz off my energy drinks and, <laughs> you know, check out my books. And um, there's a cool collector card for Spectre in this one too. I love doing collector cards. And there's also the D&D stuff. And, um, and for new people that haven't checked it out, I always tell them this. If you're worried, you may or may not like it, go to my website, homebrewedcomics.com. Issue zero is free. I'll never change that. I was going to take it off free and put it back to a dollar. 
but I'd rather give away a book for free and show you that I have the passion behind it enough to, to give it away and right. for you to check it out and come in and check out all the cool stuff we do. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And listen, you gotta you, you gotta come back on when you're when you're talking about issue number seven. Then, right. cool, excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, and I appreciate you. Actually, you know, I do a lot of these shows where people don't read the books, and I understand we all have lives. It's it's really refreshing when I get it and I hear that someone's read it and enjoyed it, and I love I love the fact that I have done a good job of marketing for it. So thank you for that. You're welcome.